turns, makes awkward direct eye contact. Oh, I didn't see you there. Welcome to our unprofessional and semi-humorous, semi-educational podcast where we switch off telling each other something new and interesting each week. I'm Meredith. And I'm Kelsey. Welcome to Keep It Curious, a podcast where a pair of perpetually perturbed pals placate our perturbation by prattling on about our probings into purposeless ponderings. Um, how you doing, Meredith? How's it going? So um, I had a very exciting experience uh, a little while ago where I got to go to a restaurant in my uh, locale that I happened to frequent a number of times before COVID shut down, um, partly because it's just fucking delicious and partly because Gabe's brother and his wife are the bartenders there slash the managers as well, I believe. Um, And they are reopening uh, after COVID with a like takeout, carry out, you know, contact-free sort of system, but as they are a ramen shop, uh, that's not exactly standard. A lot of their menu had to be changed. So we got this like really exciting opportunity to, uh, Gabe and I could just go and taste test their new menu. Like the only, like completely for free. Like it was just like, they needed some guinea pigs and we were very happy to be the guinea pigs. So they were like, yeah. I know, seriously, like, they were like, yeah, just come in at noon, and we'll just serve you a couple of different things from the new menu, and let us know, just, like, like, we wrote lots of notes, like, I felt like a food critic, it was kind of fun, Um, I just, like, wrote copious notes on what I thought about, not only, like, the meal itself, like, did I think it was too salty, or too sweet, or, you know, did I, again, I'm not actually a food critic, um, but, Or like, did I think like, okay, after 20 minutes in a car ride to your house as delivery, like, how do I think this is going to hold up, blah, blah, blah. And we just, yeah, we just got to sit there and taste test it. And while we were there, they were doing uh, the photo shoot for their, I don't know if it's for their website or for their Instagram or what, but they were doing a photo shoot of all of their new like menu items. And since it had been at this time, I believe um, three months since I had been laid off, my nails were looking on point because from sitting at home for three months, there was nothing to break them because I've always worked with my hands, like between art and glass blowing and like all of the like kitchen jobs I've held, like yeah, like rock climbing. Yeah. Rock climbing. Like you need short nails. Um, so after th- the first time in my life, having three whole months to like grow out my nails they were looking so good which like people didn't even think they were real because they were so long and luscious and I I say were because I've officially broken three and I had to cut them back down but like after (laughs) at this point now it's been four months and it just it wasn't meant to be any longer and I was I want to cry I now get it when girls are like, oh my God, I broke a nail. Like, I get it. When your nails are that long and luscious and you've spent three months growing them out and breaking one nail sets you back three months, I get it. That would be frustrating. 
Although, to be fair, I think when most people say, oh, my God, I broke a nail, it's more like, oh, my God, I paid $40 for these nails. And now I, you know, <laughs> I assume because I did them by hand. I didn't go to a salon, one, because COVID, two, because that's just not where I spend my money. I don't mean to judge that. But like if it's coming down to just like painting a color on my nails, I can do that at home and watch anime yeah. while I do it, not sit in silence. The hand massage is nice, but... But also it's not worth paying $40 for, in my opinion. I'd rather spend that $40 on like a back massage. I have a husband. He'll do it for me. I love Gabe. He has rock climbers hands. <laughs> doesn't recognize that I am not a granite wall. I am a human and bruise like a peach. Well, because also, like, he's the kind of person, like, he really truly believes in, like, useful massages. I'm talking, like, oh, I found a knot. Let me get my elbow in there. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so. Um, uh, Meredith, what are you talking about today? Uh, so I'm going to be talking about today the um, strange phenomena of sleep paralysis. Ooh. So. It's something I've struggled with for a long time uh, in my youth, and I think it'll be really fun to uh, explore it a little bit. Well, I say youth, but we'll get into my stories later. Um, so I'm just going to go briefly over like what is normal in sleep and some of the uh, less normal problems with sleep. So basically, uh, during normal sleep, there are cycles of what's called uh, rapid eye movement, also known as REM sleep in which eyes move rapidly in different directions and what is a series of uh, non-REM sleep. So a general cycle takes about 90 minutes to reach uh, REM sleep, which often only lasts about 10 minutes initially. And then the longer you get into these series of cycles through the night, the time that you are in REM sleep will slowly get longer and longer the further into the night that you are. Um, does it kind of like back out? Like, do you go like 10, 20, 30, 40, and then back down to like 30, 20, 10 as you're waking up? Or is it? It consistently gets longer as far as I understand. Okay. Um, I think it's just like once you get into deeper and deeper sleep, like the longer you've been asleep, the longer your REM cycles will last. Um, and REM is basically the dream phase. You're not actually dreaming in your non-REM phase. So basically, um, while asleep, the body naturally relaxes. Um, and the brain shuts off signals to your voluntary muscles so you don't act out your dreams or do other unsafe things. So most people, they're just asleep. Da-da-da. All good. <laughs> um, that is actually the natural way that we are supposed to sleep. Um, but getting into what we call the parasomnias, which are the uh, basically undesired sleep occurrences like abnormal movements, behaviors, emotions, perceptions, or dreams, um, so like things that could cause you to have abnormal sleep cycles could be, um, age. It's much more common in, uh, childhood. Um, genetics, uh, could be passed on through your family. Stress, obviously, if you're very stressed, sleeping is going to be a lot harder for you. Um, it's very, very common in people with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, certain medications can cause this as well as drug and alcohol use, um, also things like caffeine and other stimulants that can keep you from having a good healthy sleep cycle. Or like if you've had caffeine, you know, closer to when you go to bed, that's actually like a potential 
a risk of getting certain sleep parasomnias during that night. Um, as well as obviously medical conditions, like if you have narcolepsy, you are far more likely to experience a number of parasomnias. Is narcolepsy, narcolepsy the one where you just like you fall asleep sporadically mm -hmm. and randomly? Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that later as well. Um, but basically what it boils down to is um, that anyone who's having trouble sleeping should seek treatment from sleep physicians uh, if conditions interfere with your ability to sleep or if you're a danger to yourself or others. Um, which is actually a possibility. Um, common types of uh, categories of parasomnia, bedwetting, uh, which is urinesis, uh, if I'm saying that right, we'll see. Um, sleep hallucinations, sleep talking, sleep walking, uh, nightmare disorder, which is actually when nightmares become common enough to disrupt uh, and cause insomnia and anxiety. So it's not just your I have a big test coming tomorrow and I had a nightmare about it. It's, you know, really, really regular, um, disturbing or anxiety inducing nightmares. I didn't realize that, um, sleep talking was considered, uh, like a, a disorder. It is still a fairly normal thing. I think a lot of people do it. Um, there's a point at which sleep talking becomes a bit more of an issue, but all of these have varying degrees, like the same thing with bedwetting, you know, it's, it's a sleep disorder, but it's something you generally speaking grow out of. It's not like you have to get treatment for it. Maybe you've got a particularly stressed out kid or, you know, it can be signs of a lot of things. So not all of these are inherently bad, um, yeah. just that they do affect the way you are healthily sleeping. Um, my sister used to sleep laugh. Oh my God. That's so scary. Creepy. That's so scary. <laughs> someone I know, uh, they <laughs> would have conversations back and forth with their brother in the same room and they were both sleep talking and then responding to each other. Um, which Did is, it make sense? No, no. Okay. <laughs> not as far as I know. I've been told sometimes I meow in my sleep. <laughs> I wasn't aware of it, but I'm not, I'm not generally speaking a sleep talker. Um, yes. Anyways, uh, so the next one, which is a bigger issue, um, is uh, sleep eating disorder, um, which I what? think you've probably heard of before. It's basically where you're binge eating in the night while partially awake. I've um, never heard of that. That's insane. Oh, really? But yeah, it's it's like a it's a sleep disorder as well as an eating disorder, effectively, because it's you're not in control of what you're consuming because you're not particularly awake. Oh, go ahead. Everybody's reaching for like the broccoli when they do that either. It's like, oh, God, no. Ice cream and no. chips and give me a milkshake. You're not necessarily eating things that you would actually eat. Like, you might dip your hands into the mayonnaise jar, and that's disgusting. Oh, my God, um, you. You don't know what you're eating because you're technically kind of asleep still. And the mess in the morning if you stuck your hand in mayonnaise and then went back to bed. Oh, it'd be disgusting. It and that, that's all over. Like, yeah, right? It would be horrifying. Um, but obviously, this has also got varying degrees. But yeah, the next one is um, confusional arousals, um, which basically just means that you're acting strange or confused upon waking, often with no memory of these episodes when you fully awake. So it's kind of like having a foggy mind. Like, it's not a huge issue unless you're doing some pretty crazy stuff. Who knows? You might still be like half asleep. Um, 
But uh, the next one is definitely like a bigger issue, um, night terrors. These are different from nightmares in that you may flail, scream, sweat, be completely inconsolable and filled with signs of like intense fear, often combined with sleepwalking and again, no memory of the event. Unlike nightmares, which can often be remembered in part and have no physical effects. Thankfully, most people outgrow these by their teenage years. My uncle actually used to have this problem really bad. He used to actually sleepwalk as part of his night terrors. So my mom would always tell me about this. You know, no one could wake him up because he retaliated really violently to perceived monsters while he was asleep. You have like a fight or flight response almost, right? Oh, absolutely. Because you're still asleep in the yeah. in, in a night terror. You are absolutely 100% still asleep. There, you know, there's no partially awake to it. So she actually told me a lot of fun stories about like, when she was growing up, my grandmother was like very strict, like you never got out of bed for anything. Once you went to bed, you stayed in bed. But my mom always knew uh, when he was about to have these night terrors and would actually meet him at the bedroom door before he could sleepwalk out. So that was it was a pretty common thing. Like she never went into his bedroom uh, because if he wasn't asleep, she didn't want to wake him up. But she always knew when he was about to have a night terror and then he would open his door and she would be the only person who could try to get him back into bed because um, he always came out running or agitated and full of like pure fear. So, yeah, my mom was only could like calmly get him back to bed. Not really sure why it was just her, but um, no one could touch him or he would think that they were monsters. And he managed to get out of the front door and run into the street one time. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. So like this is one of those things like it could be super dangerous if. A child is running into the street, not aware of their surroundings, can't be calmed down by anybody because they are still fully in their nightmare. So yeah, night terrors can be like a, a really big problem. So as you can see, this kind of thing runs in my family. So the next one is called uh, REM sleep behavior disorder, which is, again, a lot of these are very similar to each other, but this one is basically you act out your vivid dreams, often like violent action-filled dreams. So it's not like you act out having a tea party you're like it's not a fun game of charades no no it's like <laughs> a full action-packed you're in an you know indiana jones movie kind of not necessarily a nightmare just like an action-filled movie um however people rarely walk it's not often combined with sleepwalking um they also don't really open their eyes but they do often kick punch flail again acting out the action well is it like when dogs like when they're sleeping sometimes their feet start going really fast like they're running in their yeah. sleep like that i wonder if you would call it that probably it does seem like it would fall into that category of like acting out your dreams even though it's not like a nightmare it's just well i mean i hope it's not a nightmare for i hope it's a ball and i hope they're getting great sleep oh me too me too Although I have seen that video of that dog that's like doing that on the ground and he's like, run, 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 run. And they managed to actually get up and then run straight into a wall. So sad. But it was a really funny video. <laughs> <laughs> the final one is called, um, not final, sorry. Second to last one is the exploding head syndrome. So, um, I know it sounds crazy. Um, but it's basically like victims will hear like a loud imaginary noise upon falling asleep or waking up. So it could be like explosions, crashing, loud bangs. Sometime in like my junior year of high school, I remember being like awoken very suddenly um, by like a, a cat's like angry yowling scream and like shook me awake. 
And I couldn't remember the dream at all, but my I could like hear the echoes for like minutes after waking and my skin was like cold as ice. It was just like that unnerving, I wasn't scared, I wasn't having a bad dream, but then all of a sudden like this cat screamed and I woke up. Oh, and I knew it wasn't a real thing, like it was still in my head and I knew that because it was like echoing around in there, but it was That's just awful. the most right and, and like, like that's so much more hair raising than like hearing a bang or something to hear like a screaming cat yeah you know like you know what angry cats sound like it is it's horrific just a, it's a horrific noise um but yeah the final type of parasomnia and the focus of my segment is sleep paralysis so that was basically just the background getting into the good stuff um in the transition between REM and non-REM sleep, uh, sometimes the brain can get out of sync. So basically you wake up before your REM cycle is complete, but your muscles are still relaxed and paralyzed because your consciousness is awake, but you're still in your REM cycle. And that's how your body protects itself again from acting out these dreams. So unfortunately, if you wake up in the middle of the REM cycle, this can lead to hallucinations or basically, you know, projecting your dreams or more often nightmares into your real world. Ew. Super scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it often results in uh, hypnagogic experiences, um, which could be visual, auditory, and just sensory hallucinations. Hypnagogic? Hypnagogic. That's fun to say. Okay. It is fun to say. I hope I said it right, because otherwise... You know, because then it's less fun. Should have looked that up. <laughs> Should have looked that up ahead of time. Um, so there are three categories: a sensed presence or intruder, um, hallucinations in which the person feels like the presence of evil or like a threatening individual in their room or space. Then the next one is uh, incubus hallucinations in which a person might feel someone or something pressing down uncomfortably, even painfully, on their chest or abdomen, or even trying to choke them. What a um, this is wildly common in terms of uh, sleep paralysis episodes where people feel someone sitting on their chest trying to choke them or just like demons crouching on them. Um, oh God. Super creepy. I would have thought that would have been like specific to people who had some weird thing with demons, but to have it happen. Some person like physically <laughs> experienced lots of people crouching on their chest. Well, No. <laughs> you know what I mean like somebody who like has more intuition with like ghosts or demons or that kind of stuff I would assume that they would be more likely to experience that specific type of sleep paralysis than it being like a more broad experience that people ah, jumping ahead I see I see oh oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um but you are correct we will get into that a little bit later um because yes it does actually make a difference um so the final type, which just seems kind of super cool, and I have not experienced this, um, but this one's this, uh, this, sorry, the third category here is vestibular motor hallucinations, uh, during which individuals think that they are floating, flying, or moving. Uh, these may also sometimes include out-of-body experiences in which a person thinks that their spirit or mind has left their body and is moving and observing, event, bleh, and observing events from above. So, like, you could see what's going on in your room, but, like, from above yourself. Um, oh, that's creepy. So, this kind of gets into that whole idea of um, astral projection. I was just going to ask if that was, like, a similar thing where you feel like you can go somewhere else. 
Yeah, I didn't do any research on that because it seems like a really fun thing to talk about later uh, in another episode. Maybe I'll cover lucid dreams, astral projection, and general psychic things later. Um, but yeah, that does seem like, again, I've also been told that people trying to learn how to astral project also have to like force themselves into this sleep paralysis thing where they're effectively asleep but awake and able to control things. Um, so yes, moving forward. Um, so uh, sleep paralysis typically lasts between seconds and minutes, but can feel like an eternity and leaves many unable to get back to sleep afterwards because they're often freaking terrifying. And it affects about 18 to 40% of the population. Um, again, it's more common in children. Um, did you say 18 to 45? 18 to 40% of the population. That's a really broad range. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that the, the range is based on, so one of the things that I'll get into a little bit later is that there's not a lot of research that's been done into this. Um, and also I think that population percent might be based on a, a number of factors, including the fact that most people, you know, they might have it for two or three years when they're a child, but they grow out of it really fast versus people like I used to have sleep paralysis um, pretty regularly, like all throughout my childhood and then into like my early 20s. So I will get into those stories. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, they tend to end right around your like preteen teenage years. It's a little bit more rare for them to go on into your 20s, but for most people, including myself, it appears, um, hopefully, I don't know, haven't had it in a while, they actually tend to stop by your like early 20s um, okay. at like the latest-ish. And then you might get like one or two episodes later in life, but it's far more common for people who are younger and more stressed out and et cetera. Okay. So also these episodes are often based off of things you can actually see again, because you are awake. Um, so transforming like common items into ghouls and demons, like a hanging sweatshirt or a cute nightlight looks like the eyes of a demon or a ghost standing by your bed. Um, Blom, who's an assistant professor of psychiatry, who's studied sleep paralysis extensively, um, said that patients often see these shadowy figures, which we're going to refer to as like the intruder or shadow people um, and other beings because their threat detection system in the amygdala are activated in this phase. So after feeling trapped in their own bodies, patients instantly become hypervigilant about their surroundings. So again, all of those things that you can see right in your peripheral vision can look like something warped and different because you are extra vigilant because you're, you know, feeling panicked and trapped by your own body. Yeah. It makes um, sense that you might perceive things to be more threatening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But like, so while some stressors have been discovered, like what I mentioned earlier with, you know, potentially like caffeine or alcohol use or something like that, there is no real answer for why the body does this, like how and why the brain gets out of sync in this way. But that's mostly due to the lack of research or standardized terminology. Like even calling it sleep paralysis, it's often falling into multiple different categories depending on what you are experiencing. So it's hard to really get a good understanding of it based on our 
very small uh, research basis. Because, for example, a lot of times people who do experience narcolepsy do also experience um, very vivid episodes of sleep paralysis. But a lot of times that would be categorized as narcolepsy, not as sleep paralysis because it is a sleep disorder. Yeah, they like file it under a different category. Exactly, because you don't have to be narcoleptic to have sleep paralysis. But when you do have narcolepsy, that tends to be the thing that comes first in terms of the research study. So um, it's more like a a side effect of being narcoleptic as opposed to its own research study. Which I'm Um, surprised that they don't do more research on sleep paralysis given, I mean, the amount of people you said it affects, 18 to 40 percent is a pretty high count of the population. Yeah. And, you know, I I wonder, because it's, um, I did actually find like a very extensive study myself that I, I got a lot of this research from, like the, the different categories and et cetera. But again, it's all like based off of, you know, someone did a sleep study here, someone did a research study there, and this person compiled them all together and tried to get common explanations out of it. But again, like, it's not like anyone's, because it's also one of the things that's, it's very hard to predict you know, you, you're not going to know when it's going to happen. Yeah. So it's entirely based off people knowing what it is, calling it what it is, and then... Like self-reporting. Yeah. So some people often believe that it's a ghostly alien or otherworldly visitation. So folk tales and ancient histories describe them as spirits and demons. And instances of what could be considered sleep paralysis have actually been recorded possibly since like the dawn of humans. Um, there are some pretty infamous, um, studies done ages ago. Like one example, if you've ever taken art history, which both of us have, uh, there's a very famous painting by Henry Fuseli called The Nightmare, which depicts, uh, what is effectively sleep paralysis. And it's this image of like a, you know, a sort of fainting woman with a, a demon sitting on her chest and this like crazy horse figure peering through and this is sort of a depiction of sleep paralysis um very very commonly again that demon being on your chest I know it's really scary looking (laughs) do you remember this from like in our art history class yeah I absolutely do that's so upsetting because I don't remember it at all and you fell asleep constantly Oh, truly. I was nearly <laughs> never awake in that class, which is just horrible because it was very interesting, but it always came after. On that day, I always pull all-nighters from my other classes, and it was just warm and quiet and it dark. Well, apparently, just... you absorbed it anyway. <laughs> you know, I think I only remember this one because I had like a visceral reaction to it myself, knowing that I have sleep paralysis and then talking about that in class was enough mental stimulation to keep me awake past the, uh, the warmth and the quiet of the lecture hall. Find you two friends who will sit on either side of you and poke you when you fall asleep. Truly. I I cannot (laughs) say how much I appreciated that. (laughs) Yeah. Whoopsie. Um, it is actually very common for sleep paralysis to be influenced by the culture of the area. So like the the visitations you feel would be different depending on where you're from. So a lot of studies have found that like East Asian sleepers will often see a ghost while Christians in the Middle Ages would see a demon or a succubus. Dreamers in Zanzibar claimed to have been attacked by a giant black bat called a Popobawa. 
Popoboa. 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 You know what? Should have looked that up. Um, I like the Popoboa variation. Popoboa. P-O-P-O-B-O-W-A. We'll educate ourselves on how to pronounce this properly post-podcast. One day. Yeah, we'll we'll do that moving forward. Probably, maybe. Maybe not. Let's be real. Uh, we'll just butcher it. <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry, not sorry. Um, anyways, also, uh, if you're in France in, say, the 13th century, you might see demons or witches. Whereas now you'd be seeing technologically advanced shadow people. Ghosts of the modern age will be super different than, like, you know. So true. I wonder if you like, see, like, a cyber stalker in the corner who's, like, threatening to expose all of your important information. Oh, yikes. I hadn't even thought about that. I was just thinking, like, like it'll be, like, very distracted ghosts. They're, like, too busy texting to scare people. I think I'd prefer that to someone sitting on my chest. Yeah, no. Or they'll be sitting on your test texting. Just just sitting directly on you, playing on their phone. Like, you can hear the candy crush. Oh, my God. That'd be so rude. Like, if you're just going to ignore me, at least sit, like, not on me. Truly. I'm I'm actually very curious if, like, people have had episodes of sleep paralysis where someone's just sitting on them texting. If any of our zero listeners have had this experience, please write in. Mom? Hello? (laughs) Anyone? Hello? Hello? Is anyone Anyways, there? we're just screaming into the void, <laughs> honestly. This is what, this, that's what our podcast should be called, Screaming Into the Void. Um, we could rename it. We haven't posted yet. That is true. Anyways, moving forward. Um, so, yes, uh, technologically advanced shadow people. Um, a few myths around uh, sleep paralysis and these sleep demons actually offer some sort of incentive for the sleeper to move. So in some Middle Eastern cultures, for instance, the creature on your chest is actually a, a jinn or a genie wearing a hat. And if the sleeper can wake up and snatch the hat, they will earn a reward. So that's really freaking cool. I'd be trying um, to snatch hat. I'd be trying to snatch that hat too. I'd also be less terrified because there's like an incentive to move aside from ending a very terrifying dream, which is mostly what it is. Yeah. But also like, for example, sleep paralysis could also explain the spike in reported alien abductions in the 1980s and 90s when paranoia around the phenomenon was at its peak. So that makes people so experience. Sense. Yeah. Like you wake up to sleep paralysis, you see what looks like a gray alien that's been described in all of the papers in your bedroom, and then you see a bright light, but you're paralyzed. It could actually have just been sleep paralysis. Oh my God, I'm so disappointed. I wanted so badly for those stories to all be 100% true. But that's the other thing. It's like, again, no one knows why we get sleep paralysis. So if you were to say believe in ghosts then it's actually that sleep paralysis is the way that you can speak with the other side and that's the way that you channel it or you know I could also see where you know if this is an alien abduction like they would want to paralyze you before you know abducting you or something like that I don't know 
I, I, I mean, I, I believe in the concept of aliens, I think. I don't know that they visited and abducted a bunch of people or anything, but... But if they did, I would assume they would paralyze us first. Right? Just for safety. Like, you don't go, you know, do an operation on a tiger without, you know, tranquilizing it first. I feel like we are much more dangerous in a lot of ways. Okay, that's not true. Well, I mean... Not as our... We have weapons, like... We do. You're right. A good number of people probably sleeping with guns, right? In America, into your house, and like it was an alien, and you had time to be like, "Holy shit!" If people had guns Mm -hmm. in houses, they would hundred percent be going for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it would be best to tranquilize your prey before zapping them up into your spaceship. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, But basically, uh, yeah. So it really depends on. Well, I should say some of it depends on where you're from, the sorts of things you're going to believe in. Someone who believes in the paranormal is more likely to see and believe that it is a ghostly experience versus someone who doesn't believe and just knows right off the bat that this is sleep paralysis. This is all in my head, whatever. Um, Personally, I go back and forth on it, which is just terrifying. Like, I think I'd rather, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'd rather be healthily skeptical than believe that all of my episodes were truly something visiting me because that's terrifying. Yeah, that's another kind of uh-oh. Yeah, we'll get into that. So, but in general, um, a healthy sleep schedule and refraining from sleeping on your back or taking stimulants like caffeine and tobacco can help keep sleep paralysis at bay. Um, it is very, very common to get sleep paralysis while sleeping on your back. That is where a lot of that chest pressure comes from because you're sleeping on your back and something is sitting on your chest. Not that you can't get it in any position, which again, terrifying, but more likely when sleeping on your back Sure. and stressed and drinking caffeine and, you know, could explain why I had a whole lot of sleep paralysis while in college. I'm, say, I'm not surprised that yours continued through college if that's the requirement. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I was always on like, you know, three things of monster Red Bull or something and never going to bed, spending days in a row up like. You lived the stressed life in college. And yet I enjoyed it so much. Anyways. um, So why don't we dive into some stories now? Because that's where it's really fun. Let's hear it. I do have fantastically um, and- vivid dreams and my absolute favorite dream I ever had while we're just on the subject. <laughs> I had an epic dream that I was in a like club, like a dance club. And my mom was there in like the balcony section with little Wayne throwing like, <laughs> what? throwing like hundred dollar bills off the balcony. And to top it off, God. They were married. Oh my God. Your mom was married. <laughs> well, I cannot picture that knowing your mother. She's just like the sweetest lady who, like, I don't even know if she can name a little Wayne song. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, I think just like the swearing alone would get to her. Sorry yeah. in advance, by the way. We, we're going to swear a lot on this podcast. I know, Sorry, that. I know that of myself. <laughs> Like a non-matched, just picturing her married to Lil Wayne throwing hundred dollar bills like she would ever do that. It was like, <laughs> like ludicrous, out of character dream I've ever had. Mm. 
Little Wayne was my stepdaddy. I love that. Little Wayne was your stepdaddy. Oh, God. It's so weird. So weird. So weird. Anyway, completely off topic. Continue. I love it. I love it. Um, So, yeah, I had a lot of episodes of sleep paralysis. And, again, falling into the usual categories of um, shadows lurking in corners, malevolent auras, and all that kind of thing. But they normally happened while I was alone and normally involved, like, some sort of, like, faceless being or not being able to, like, see the face of my tormentor. Um, Yeah, really, it wasn't fun, but, like, a number of times it was, like, oh, you know, you'd wake up and, like, like, oh, God, I remember after, this is another tangent, I'm just going to be full of them once we get into this actual story time. Um, Like, after seeing The Grudge for the first time, um, which I did not actually find to be a scary movie, um, and I watched it in the daytime, like with two other friends. Um, and I went to bed that night and then woke up and had sleep paralysis where a version that was far more terrifying than the actual grudge was just sitting with the, like at the edge of my bed, like just the top of their face was visible Ew. and they're like, hands were on the edge of my bed and they were right in my face. Cause I was on my side when I woke up. Oh my god, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. It was so scary. Because it was also, like, it wasn't the actual, like, I don't don't know if you've seen The Grudge before. I have not. The classic, like, dark, wet skin, like, kind of half-rocky, black hair look. But what I had was a smiling face version of that. But, like, kind of twisted, and the eyes were, like, really, really wide and bloodshot. And the skin was still, like, rotting, but still, like, more colorful, more, like, full of life with, like, red, raw areas. And, again, like, two inches from my face. It was... Foul. It was very foul. I'm very glad that didn't come with a sensory ability to smell that creature because it was not pleasant um but yeah my mind definitely made like a worse version of the grudge for me to wake up to um and just make direct eye contact with until i was released from my sleep paralysis and i think i just like crawled to the other side of my bed and was like nope nope just gonna go under my covers cool thanks I'm so sorry that you experienced that. It was not fun, but it was not actually my worst one because it was a very short one, which I appreciate. Um, Actually, one of my worst ones was uh, during a sleepover my senior year of high school. Um, And it was one of the worst ones for me because it was my first um, auditory sleep paralysis. For the most part, almost all of them were just visual you know I'd see something and I'd feel like a malevolence or like a evil sort of aura but other than that you know it was just like me viewing these things then being released and either staying in bed or running to my mom's room um (laughs) depending on the age but not really let's be real um still run to my mom's room yep yep um But this one, um, I was actually sleeping in my bedroom at my dad's house with my twin sister was sleeping on the floor near the end of my bed. And then 
my friend Frankie, who is my sister from another mother, <laughs> was sleeping like parallel next to my bed on the floor. So basically like I was, my bed was like up against the wall. And they made like um, an, an L around your bed. Basically like I was entirely protected from everything by like my sister on one side and my friend on the other. So, and then the door was like through them, like you'd have to pass through them. Okay. Um, not through, like there was a gap between their feet. They're not like sleeping head to foot. <laughs> That'd be weird. Um, I mean, I don't know. Um, anyways, um, so I remember waking up to see my bedroom and being aware that my family was with me, but also feeling wildly alone as I stared into the like empty black hood of the Grim Reaper that was standing at the end of my bed. Um, and I don't want to say that we were making eye contact as there was nothing to see under this like veil of darkness, but the fear that shot through me was so visceral. I remember trying to like scream or move or call out for my sister and a friend. And I think I actually managed like a small squeak, but it wasn't enough to break the sleep paralysis or wake up my would-be saviors. Yeah. Um, and again, this was far from my first sleep paralysis, but was the first time that I actually felt like I could do something about it. Like there were other people in the room. Like if I could just wake somebody up, if I could just you know, move enough that somebody realized I was in distress, anything. Um, so it was almost worse that I couldn't, that I was stuck in this knowing that there could be an escape from it. And it wasn't just like I had to wait until I was released. Like, yeah, like I could change it. Felt more helpless. Yeah. Like super, super helpless in that moment. Um, and it was also worse that like, I couldn't see its face or like gauge its emotions. Um, and this was very common for me. Like I, Every once in a while, I would see that, you know, the figure I mentioned before were like the horrifying twisted face, but the unknown for me always felt more ominous in its like opaqueness. Sure. Um, so I, after what felt like an endless standoff where, you know, this, it was just standing like all, like I was lying on my back looking towards my feet um, because I used to have like really high pillows so I could actually see the end of my bed. Um, and this Grim Reaper is just like towering over the end of my bed. Um, so anyways, after like this endless standoff, um, the figure suddenly turned and fled through my bedroom door. Like the cloak was like flailing behind it. I heard the wind of its passage like whip through the gray fabric um, before I heard the, like the reverberations of its feet slamming down every step to the first floor. Oh. Um, and when it hit the last step, I was finally released but I also didn't feel any safer because I never heard it leave the house. Um, yeah, it was really not fun. Cause also like, it's not like I could see anything where I could just hear it at that point. Um, so like, that's so awful that it continues and like, you just, you just hear it. It's like, you, you know, it's there and you can't see yeah. it, but Oh God. Yeah. It was, it was just the worst. It was the worst one I think I ever had. Um, but like, you know, I was, I was able to finally move then, but I also, I felt too silly to like wake up my sleepover companions knowing it was just sleep paralysis. Right. But also I was too scared to sleep with the creature still lurking somewhere in my house. Like, again, I knew what sleep paralysis was, but this was the first time I'd ever, you know, normally it's just like, you see these shadows and then click like turning on a light, they're gone Yeah. versus this where it was like, it felt like it was still there. You know, I'd, I'd heard it 
move from out of my sight, but not leave. Yeah. There was like Uh, no sense of closure to it. So it still kind of felt. Yeah. Open. And it was like, it was too, too much of a sensory experience. It like made me doubt the validity of it just being a sleep paralysis. It was like, it could have really been something or someone there. Yeah, and totally um, messed with your head. And I was absolutely. Plus, you know, I was terrified that I would wake up and find that the Grim Reaper had actually taken somebody other than me. Yeah, I was just like flying um, around your house. Because, you know, it's. Yeah. So like, I, I did finally gain the courage to sit up in bed and like, I, I actually like watched my sister and my friend sleeping just to ensure that their chests were like rising and oh. falling and they could like hear their breath but I wasn't actually brave enough to like follow the entity down the hallway and check on my dad. So I was very relieved to find him safe in the morning, but that vision haunted me for days. Like I was worried that someone, yeah. that this was like a sign that someone in my life was going to pass um, because it like decided not to take me that night, but also never really left. So it was just a very unnerving feeling to like see what felt like death in my home staring yeah, and then like not leaving um, so you don't know if it's yeah Ugh. Ugh. yeah it was it was a unique experience for sure I think it was one of my few like super auditory ones but I'll tell you my other worst one so far <laughs> I hope they're over they really weren't fun they're over um yeah yeah I actually I knew you when I, I had this you. one actually I think I, I might have mentioned this before, um, and maybe it was in part of my stories, but in college, I really, I had a lot, a lot of sleep paralysis, like worse and more often than usual. Um, worse meaning that I had them more often, not worse that each one was a worse event, because I do think that Grim Reaper one was particularly yeah. terrifying for me. But sometimes it was literally just like, I was in my bedroom, you know, I, you know, shared a dorm with Lori, um, so we both had our our beds in there and I would wake up paralyzed and it would just be like spectral versions of like all of my friends would be wandering around and talking and just like keeping me awake Uh-oh. yeah where it was just like I wasn't scared I was just annoyed that like people wouldn't let me sleep because they were all sitting on my bed and walking around and chatting <laughs> just being loud and I was like get out of my room I'm trying to sleep like a nightmare about like I mean, that's what happened. Everyone was always in your room. Truly. Like, we were the hangout room. Yeah. Like, at all hours, there was normally somebody in our room unless we were actually unconscious. Even then, the number of times we had, like, gigantic sleepovers in our room where everyone was sleeping in our room and hopefully they were all asleep. That's so upsetting that it was so traumatic that you had sleep paralysis that was basically about that. Which is so funny because I had so much fun during those times, but I definitely had a number of times where I woke up and I was like, everybody get out of my room. I'm sleepy. Get out. But not really because they weren't really there. They were just fake versions of my friends. Like I remember seeing like you and Jeff and like Lori and people just like wandering around Raven, like sitting on my bed. Like they they weren't really there. They were just there. Oh my God. It's very funny. It's very funny. But yeah, I think it was actually my, maybe my second year of college that, you know, my sleep process had obviously increased in frequency, probably because I wasn't sleeping and drinking a lot of caffeine and super stressed out. So basically one break, uh, I was home in DC where my mom lived 
And I awoke to the standard paralysis, you know, dark figure lurking in the corner of my room. Um, freaked out as usual. I'm pretty sure this was like a vampire one. I don't know. I had like this distinct feeling that the creature that was in my room was going to attack me. Um, not just like, so sometimes the feeling was just like that they were there and they were ominous, but like there wasn't like an indication that they were going to come in my direction. They were just okay. there and present. Um, but this time I felt like the second I could move, I needed to flee because this creature wanted to attack me, whatever it was, dark figure, blah, blah, blah. Um, so basically when I finally broke free, I gained the courage to run past it to my mom's room down the hallway and I woke her up and begged to sleep in her bed, keeping in mind that I am like 19, 20 something at this age. Um, I may have been basically an adult, but I was particularly spooked by this one. Um, but honestly, this wasn't the one that was the scariest. It was actually later that night. In the same night? Um, same night, two in a row. Great. Um, so it was later that night when I woke to find myself in my mother's bed that things got worse. So I woke up on my side facing her back and again, classically unable to move. Um, like an initial shiver of fear wriggled up my spine, remembering that I just had sleep paralysis and being scared to have another one, knowing again that I woke up paralyzed. But I was actually momentarily comforted seeing my mom's figure in the dark, which was the yeah. initial idea. But as the paralysis continued, something about like the shape of her, her curly hair splayed across the pillow and her back, which didn't appear to be moving, started to really oh, no. unnerve me. So within seconds, I was like deadly sure that whatever was in the bed with me was not my mother. And I remember being like feeling like frozen and begging this thing to just not turn around and the glowing white skin that looked absolutely inhuman in the moonlight just I was just so unnerved by whatever I was now in bed with that is a violation um, it really was it's like I ran to my mom's room for comfort and then she ended up being the object of one of the worst sleep paralysis this is the most I ever had thing ever okay um, continue I mean, I mean, it was basically over at that point, like when I finally was released from this paralysis, um, the feeling didn't fade at all, but my courage had long since left. So I didn't feel safe going back to my room or staying in my mom's. I remember just like wriggling to the furthest edge of the bed as quietly as I could so as not to wake it and like shivering in fear until like sleep finally claimed me again. But it was definitely just this like horrific feeling of like seeing an entity that I was like absolutely sure was once again like pretending to be my mother in bed with me and Ugh. just that like that knowing that it looked so similar and yet at the same time it was that um what's the word I'm going for um oh come on I know this word um oh yeah uncanny valley yeah uncanny valley where something looks so near human but something is just off that it gives you like a visceral like yeah and like if having um, something that like I don't know I feel like in most situations mothers there's like this like symbol of comfort and like yeah um, my mom and I are still yeah, so like, close for your dream yeah. to like take something that's so like innately ground into you the person yeah and comforting, comforting. To, like twist it like that is just yeah and actually I think you were there the night that I came back after having this 
sleep paralysis and it was really, really late at night and we were all in the common area in Art House, which was the dorm that we lived in. It was like a special dorm. So yeah, we were all sitting in the common area and I was actually telling this story and had like this really weird realization that there was this similarity between many of my sleep paralysis events the screaming cat, the faceless monsters, and the surety that my loved ones were not who I believed that forced this connection to an event that occurred in my early youth, um, which I wonder, again, like, we don't really know why sleep paralysis happens, but it is very common as a sign of, like, I don't want to say that this is PTSD, just that I was obviously traumatically affected by this moment and that it may or may not have affected my sleep patterns going forward in life. So I remembered this event as I was telling people about these two events or these two sleep paralysis events. Yeah. Um, And I suddenly remembered that it was around the age when I was like, let's say seven, because I have a really bad sense of time, but I was young and I was staying with my family at one of my aunt's houses in another state. And so since there weren't enough rooms for all of us, my sister and I were camping in the living room and it was the middle of the night when we were woken to the squeal of an enraged cat. Like I had at that time never heard a cat make that horrifying of a noise. And I still, again, again, I wonder if that's where that exploding head syndrome cat noise comes from. But I opened my eyes to see my aunt's tomcat like hair on end crouched in the window and hissing up a storm and like a curly haired silhouette was clearly framed through the glass of the window backlit by the street light um and while the noise of the cat was startling i remember thinking it was just odd that my mom was outside at this hour and her hair looked like a bit disheveled from sleep and like from my sleeping spot on the floor, I stared into this like darkened face peering through the window. Again, not scared, simply confused. Um, it was then that my mom emerged from the hallway that I realized the silhouette was not my mom. And then the real hey, fear set uh, in. Wait, so somebody was like, um, looking into the house? Yeah. And that's what had gotten the cat so Wild. like defensively protective. Yeah. And actually, one of our family members, it may have been my uncle, like, opened the front door um, to, like, chase the figure, I guess. Because, again, they were also awoken by the noise of the cat. And uh, I was told later that they watched the figure dash behind the car in the driveway and just disappear into the night. And we can only assume that it was, like, a a failed burglary attempt. But the part that always stuck with me was the moment that I realized that the familiar figure that, again, I found comfort in in the darkness. Again, I wasn't scared. I was just confused was not only far from who I believed it to be, but the unusual circumstances could only imply that the figure meant us some harm. Yeah. Um, So something that looked like my mom that I believed was her that, you know, kept me from being scared, even though this cat made this horrifying noise, turned out to be somebody, not only that I didn't know, but that could have had no good intentions by looking in the window at the middle of the night. But uh, the true hero that night was the family cat, whose defensive scream likely startled the intruder and woke the household. But I also never forgot that haunting noise, and I have still never heard a creature make a noise like that before. Yeah, I or think since. animals usually so, have like a a sense for that kind of thing. It seems like where they can kind of tell, like what vibe people. Are yeah, sense that negative energy, and I wonder if that's what it was. Like they sense that this person 
not only should not have been there, and it was strange because the cat was sleeping in that window and was awoken yeah, by this person staring the crap it. out of him um, too. I hope so. But at the same time, like I remember waking up and seeing the cat like hissing. Like again, I was awoken to the noise of the cat screaming and like yowling. Um, but the person was still there when I looked at the window to see the cat still like hissing and futzing at the window. <laughs> yeah, like spitty sound. Yeah, that weird cat spitty hissy noise. Um, it was like all arched up and like, <laughs> I don't need to, mm-hmm. you knew what I meant. But yeah, that totally makes sense that like having an experience like that could end up triggering like sleep paralysis. It seems like it's related. I mean. And I think it's more like the couple of things about that one event, um, like the fact that there was, you know, the comfort of the mother that was not actually what it was, the fact that the figure was like faceless. I couldn't see their face again. That's why I assumed based on the silhouette that it was my mother. Um, A lot of the ones that I had past that, they all had like completely unseeable faces. Um, Not that they didn't have a face just yeah you couldn't couldn't quite make it out and the screaming cat thing like all of that together I was like you know what these all might be a little bit related to that moment back when I was you know in my critical you know developmental years and had a weird strange scenario themes have overlapped so those are my personal stories but I've got a couple good ones from reddit too (laughs) giddy giddy they're just so fun to read these are the kinds of things that I just enjoy reading because it's They're fascinating. They're often a lot worse than mine, which makes me feel very grateful that they weren't, you know, terrifying as they could have been. But yeah, let's get into some more uh, stories that I didn't know. Um, So this is from a Redditor, Godween Satan. (laughs) Uh, So I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Um, So this happened when I was six, uh, 20 years ago, and I still remember it vividly because I haven't gone more than a couple of months without replaying it back in my head. I remember waking up from a creepy dream and lying in bed for a minute. Then my mom opened the door and I could see her silhouette. Was she there to comfort me? Possibly. She didn't say anything. Then she eerily waddled, hobbled into my room and started looking a little more creepy. She looked a little like a creature from where the wild things are. I could only see the dark outline of her body and head, but her hair appeared messy and her head looked larger than normal. I was on the top bunk. My baby sister was asleep below. My mom stood at my bed. Her head was about level with my own. She stood there for a minute at the side of my bunk bed, and I could begin to sense that things were weird. She then reached out and started tickling me a little. I wasn't freaked out yet. Then I began to feel uncomfortable, but the tickling intensified. She began grunting quietly, almost as if she was murmuring something. Finally, I was trying to tell her to stop, but of course, words were impossible for me. The tickling intensified until she was scratching and jabbing and digging at my torso. By then, the grunting had eventually grown into a deep growling and howling. I couldn't move or make any noise. Why wouldn't my little sister wake up and help me? Scariest fucking thing I've ever happened to me. Oh my god. Escalated and escalated and escalated to become just the worst thing I've ever heard. Yep. Yep. That was a super gross one. Because again, it's it's that familiarity, that like immediate comfort that turns into just bone chilling fear. Because your you, mom is murmured tickling you, know. you and then all of a sudden she's howling, jabbing you. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And obviously, like, your mom is not your mom, but something is in the body of your mom, or, it, like, in a sense, like, projecting themselves to appear as though they are your mother. And again, like, a lot of people are like, oh, this is sleep paralysis, but then there's a lot of people who are like, no, 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 that was a demon. Yeah. You know, replicating something familiar to you to get close to you, and I don't know what they were trying to gain from it, but... You know. need to call a meeting with the demons and the sleep paralyzed and discuss the off-limitness of mothers. Mm-hmm. Truly. Come on. Truly. Oh. So freaking scary. So if you're ready for another one, this is from Redditor uh, <laughs> Um I've had quite a few uh, sleep paralysis from just feelings of a presence to a full-blown figure. Sometimes there are voices, sometimes it's dead silent, but the masked man was in another league of bone chilling. Ooh, ready for this. It started with me waking up to a deep-throated Stop chuckling. It. No. <laughs> no. Waking up to somebody laughing in your room is just the heinous. most horrifying. Heinous. Heinous. Um, having been one of my latter experiences of sleep paralysis, latter, later, I knew immediately that this is what it was. I resigned myself for another sleepless, creepy night when the door opened. A man stepped through in a mask as red as blood. Uh, (laughs) The mask itself was demonic in nature with big underfangs like a boar's with unnatural outlandish twists and turns in the cheeks and a deep set wrinkled brow. But the worst part was their eyes. His violet serpentine eyes bulged out of the mask. They looked like they were about to pop. He was wearing a rich red-colored brown robe with a hood pulled up covering the rest of his head, drawing all attention to the mask and those dreadful eyes. He pulled a squirming burlap sack behind him, and he stopped when he got to the foot of my bed. He stared at me for a long moment and then reached into the bag. Truly, no. Get out. No. No. Don't worry. It gets worse. Um. One by one, he pulled everyone I had ever loved, cared about, or considered a friend out of the bag. Each time he pulled them out, he positioned them so I was looking directly into their eyes. And he took his hand, a gnarled, bony thing with skin drawn so tight it looked as if he had none at all, and drew his long, sharp nails across their throat, throats, spilling torrents of blood at my feet. I had watched the life drain out of the eyes of everyone I had ever truly known. And and deep in those eyes, I could see terror mixed with pity in each one, in each and every one of them. I'm like, so, (laughs) isn't that so horrifying? Like, I've never had one this bad. This is just horrifying. Not that I haven't had plenty of dreams of, like, loved ones dying in really horrible ways, but, like, there's something so different about seeing that as a waking nightmare where you feel like this could be reality. Yeah. Like that's like waking up from sleep paralysis and you're like, did that just happen? Was that like, I saw it with my own eyes in my bedroom. Like I would not be able to sleep in that bedroom. I would be frantically calling every single person that had appeared in the dream to be like, are you okay? Right. Truly, truly like just horrifying. Um, The energy I do have Um, on this though. (laughs) <laughs> we just watched Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows part two. And all I can picture is this thing like pulling people out of its purse, like Hermione's purse. 
it makes it a little bit less terrifying but also i mean it's still just as terrifying but just to picture this thing holding like hermione's bottomless purse that looks like it's perfectly normal to be honest like that's a good point like i'm trying to visualize like how these people look coming out of a bag you know like does the bag grow in size as he pulls them out like how is he pulling them out of a bag or maybe it was like he saw the squirming bag as it was getting pulled towards his bed, but then it was behind the bed, so he couldn't see it anymore. So like he didn't have that visual of like yanking a person out of a bag. You just had dragging them. The people were yeah. suddenly standing there. Just horrifying. It's not oh, even God. over yet. So only after his bag was empty did he let it drop and began walking around my bed. He stopped as he towered over me. Leaning down, he reached to me and gently stroked my face with his blood-stained nail. With his other hand, he reached and pulled off his mask. I cannot honestly put into words what I saw beneath that mask. It was an ever-changing face of horror. It twisted and squirmed and never remained still for long. And each facial reconstruction was more terrifying than the last. As I looked into his violet serpentine eyes, he spoke to me. I still remember the words well enough to quote them verbatim, but as they were profoundly disturbing and personal in nature, I do not care to repeat them to anyone. But the last thing he said was, enjoy the time you have left because soon your life will be mine and your soul as well. And he said, as he said this, his face finally settled onto a single form. It was my own face. Oh, God. Stop. No. <laughs> I will no. not be sleeping tonight and it is 100% your fault. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I should have gone first. Um, but also hilarious. Uh, I'm so sorry. I know it's like what time for it you is there 9 now? PM. Like, so when we finish this episode, I'm an early bed goer. So I'm going to have to like, I don't know. I'm going to need to take a run around the block. I am so sorry. I only have one more story. It's <sighs> very short. Um, I feel very bad. I've scared the shit out of you at night. Also, it's kind of like very haunting of Hill House, which if anyone hasn't seen that and enjoys this kind of story, you will love Dive in head first. Yeah, dive in head first indeed. Um, So one more short one. All right. It happened once in my sister's room. I was lying on my back and noticed a dark figure jumping from wall to wall. Alone, it wasn't the most terrifying experience. I have sleep paralysis often, so I didn't even bother telling anyone. The next week, I was sitting at my table with my sister, and she told me she had a weird dream. Her first time with sleep paralysis, and she described the exact figure in detail. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm going to, I'm just going to go right ahead and say it. It wasn't sleep paralysis. It was a demon. Yep. So... Yep. Yep. They both saw the exact no! same thing. Short, Short but, but devastating. <laughs> devastating. Um, yeah. So that was, um, thank God I never had that experience myself. My sister, I don't believe, ever had sleep paralysis. Although as twins, we did actually have the same dream on the same night before. But it was a dream. It wasn't real or at least you were both seeing figures um, simultaneously. Yeah, doing the same thing in the room. And so, yeah, that's, that's the other thing. It's like, again, we don't know what sleep paralysis is for sure. Like, children are more open to 
paranormal things because they haven't like developed a sense of skepticism yet. So like you're just more close to the other side in theory. So between the fact that most sleep paralysis happens to children who are closer to that other side and the fact that just conceptually, I could see the idea that, you know, if some ghosts wanted to speak, they would try to speak through a child who is more able to communicate, as well as the fact that when you are in a sleep state, you are altogether more vulnerable. Yeah, and the kids um, are more vulnerable, and, and the sleeping kid is, like, the most vulnerable. I would assume that, let's, I mean, I would assume of demons, as if I know jack about demons, but I would assume that they would want to steal that childhood innocence you know that like corrupt something young and more corruptible sure. so if they're trying to do whatever it is that demons do they probably focus on a child they're youthful and i don't know succulent or whatever it is Does, that demons think never use of that children. word again meredith um oh, Anyways, if you're a demon, write in and tell us what your plans are for children. <laughs> write in and tell us what your plans are for children. <laughs> Hopefully nothing scary. Or Hopefully. I was going to say demonic, and I'm like, well, of course it's demonic. They're demons. Nothing. Um, I don't know. Even Isn't demon also just like inherently like is it, you know, an oxymoron to say a demon that isn't evil? Isn't that just like a term for evil, even though it's not necessarily like, there's a lot of yeah. pop culture that talks about angels being evil because they're so good, they don't recognize morality, but at the same time, like, I, I don't know, I, I don't know shit about religion, and I don't even know that it's really actually based in religion as much as pop culture, but like, that's a yeah. good, like trope where like, the demons are like we're not nearly as bad it's like we just believe in free will but angels they don't believe in free will and they're like brutal in their like divine punishment like yeah that's true that isn't a lot of like movies and stuff so um i hope we have no demons writing in but if you do have any episodes of sleep paralysis please feel free to write in maybe we will actually talk about them on a future podcast that would be really would fun. Be I love these stories. At the very least, we will read them and enjoy Unless them. Unless you're a demon, so, then I'm kidding. Please don't reach out. We'll pass. You know, I just don't need that. I'll pass. Just hard pass. So, ta-da! That was Thanks for listening, if you were. And next week, something entirely different, Who completely knows? unrelated. Tune in to find out. All right, guys, so follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're listening to hear more. Our Instagram is Keep It Curious Podcast, or check out our website, keepitcurious.wixsite.com slash podcast. Wixsite is W-I-X-S-I-T-E. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. It would help us out a lot. Uh, thanks, y'all, for listening. Keep it curious, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Uh, bye-bye.